Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, I'm Lynn, compulsive eater. And um, hi. Oh, it's sweet to see everybody's faces. And um, so, yeah, I'll just qualify and and just say thanks, um, Jimmy, for asking me to speak. Um, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare and then realized it's on the traditions, which um, makes me a little nervous. Um, I do love the traditions now, but I'm not as, I still don't feel as familiar with them. Um, But when I actually started reading, and and they also don't come to me the way the steps do. Like I don't have them lined up with each month the way I do with the steps. I have to look at my book and actually see what the uh, tradition is of the month. Um, But when I started reading it, it actually felt, it felt like, hey, this is a good thing for me to speak about. And it felt um, in some ways like there's a little synchronicity in terms of some of what I'm kind of working with right now. So I'm grateful. So I guess I'll just say like quick qualification. Um, I came in, oh God, I guess it'll be six years in November. And, um, you know, I I came in on a certain kind of um, food plan already that was for some health issues. So in that way, I kind of came in at that point as what I considered abstinent um, and maintained it for, I maintained it for a while until I, until I decided I needed to expand my food program a little bit um, because it was quite restrictive. It was uh, for some autoimmune stuff. And, and what I will say about my history is I have both the restricting side and I have um, a compulsive side. And, um, and part of that compulsive side was um, binging and purging when I was quite young um, in my teens, which stopped um, kind of, yeah, stopped when I left um, school when I was 19. But um, so what I realized like after, you know, I started experimenting was it was just too restrictive and it actually, you know, that was part of my cycle is I would, um, I wouldn't necessarily go on food plans after I left art school for, for losing weight or for kind of um, for that particular reason, I would do it for health reasons because I've, I've had a lot of health um, issues starting kind of in my 20s. And I think some of that, I'm sure some of that was related to my eating disorder. Um, at least that's what I think. I don't know that. But, um, and so, you know, for me, like I have to be really careful. I can't get too restrictive or it can really, um, it can, get kind of crazy in my head and it can make it can make me go into the under eating so what i'll say is that program has been a really amazing place for me to get to explore that relationship in a in community like with a sponsor and um and it was the first time that i got to do that where i actually got to say hey this i think i want to try this and i would reach out and i would do and it wouldn't lead me to fuck it, I'm going to let everything go, which is what I would do in the past. And so what happened is I started to just um, really pay attention to what's happening for my body. And I got to expand my food and my body was doing better. Um, And when I say body, I've got rheumatoid arthritis for those who don't know. And so I can get um, flare ups and, 
And, you know, and, and there was some thought for me that food would flare me up or not. And I, I'm going to say now, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what I think about that. And that's part of, um, part of what I've come to in program and some outside stuff, but I won't go into the outside stuff. But what I will say is that this space has been, um, it's just been an amazing healing place for me to get to come to what my recovery is um, with my higher power and in fellowship. And one thing that I love about um, this program is that it is like everybody has their story and we can each connect to different parts of it or to different parts of people's story. And um, nobody's story is the only story. Um, and yeah, so anyways, I feel, I feel really grateful for that. And I think that's all I'll say for now about um, kind of my, my history. Um, and I'm just gonna, what I'm gonna do for the tradition, because I haven't totally prepared, um, well, I haven't, you know, I've been, I've been looking at it, but I really just had yesterday evening, um, is I'm just gonna read some. And so the tradition is, tradition eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. And the spiritual principle is fellowship, which um, I love this. I think it's in the new um, 12 and 12 where they, they put the spiritual pr principle for the traditions. And I really love that. Um, and, you know, I'll say in terms of like fellowship as a spiritual tradition for this is, I mean, that, that is the biggest piece that people are here not as professionals. People are here because we're compulsive eaters in one way or another. And um, there's no expert, and it allows um, it allows us to be here in a um, in fellowship, and not with um, a hierarchy around um, who's right and who's not around recovery or or other things too. And um, there's something really powerful about that. Um, so I'm just going to read a little bit. Overeaters Anonymous is built on a foundation of sharing our experience, strength, and hope, one member to another. As OA members, we may serve each other by sponsoring, speaking at meetings, and doing necessary committee and other service work. For this, none of us receive payment in money. Our reward is something money can't buy, our own personal recovery. And, you know, and I guess that's where I'll, I'll hook in some of my story, too. Like, um, that, that's just really, that, that I could feel the minute I walked in. And, um, this meeting, obviously not this room, but this meeting was the first meeting I came into. And I've, and I've been in another 12-step um, program, so I, I was familiar with 12 steps when I came in. But when I walked into OA, the, the fellowship, there was something for me that was different about the fellowship. And, and I'm not saying the people necessarily are different, but it, for me, it was different connecting around compulsive eating. Um, and and I could feel that. I could feel that the minute I walked in and I could feel it uh, when, you know, Roja kind of welcomed me. And so, um, yeah, anyways, that's where I'll stop with that. But the tradition um, of non-professionalism helps always steer clear of the profit motive and concentrate on offering 12-step recovery to all who seek it. Newcomers to OA are often impressed by the honesty they hear the depth of sharing and the spirit of compassion found at OA meetings. Um, you know, so I think the money piece is definitely a huge piece of it. Um, but I also think 
I also think it's because um, there's not one there's not one who knows and one who doesn't in in this program. And I'm not saying that's the way it is on the outside necessarily, but the way it's set up is that we're all equal members. We're all here to support each other, and my recovery supports another's, and someone else supports mine. Um, and you know, I, I think that that is part of this tradition as well. Um, we knowing this, we can trust each other to speak from the heart, to share what our experience has taught us, and to listen compassionately to our fellow members. So in that you know, we can, we don't have to hide. I mean, that, that's actually, that's the point of um, recovery is that we don't hide. We don't hide our stories, that we get to share our stories. And that's the part that connects us. And, you know, I think, cause later it says like, what, what this does allow, what this tradition does allow for is that there are certain positions that can um, be paid. You know, there can be office positions and, the history, you know, reading this is that there are times where it just got too chaotic in program to not have people paid for particular services. But this, but the heart and soul and spirit of OA is in our experience of compulsive eating, and that part is not is never paid for. Like we never pay anybody to come in as an expert. We might pay someone to um, take care of yeah of the phones and that kind of thing. And in that way, it keeps, it keeps the heart and soul of OA ours and ours as a fellowship. Um, so, you know, I'll read this because this is the part that this is something that I've been struggling with. And it's been, it was really good for me to just have it really written out in the tradition. It says here, some OA members have worked for hospitals and eating disorders treatment centers as professional therapists and have found their OA experience to be of great value to them in this work. The question arises whether they are breaking the eight tradition by accepting pay for working with eating disorder sufferers. Such people, however, are being paid for their work as professional therapists, not as professional OA members, to be sure they may speak with their clients about their OA experience. But in the therapy groups they conduct professionally, they are in authority. They're professional, they were responsible for applying their expertise in the field of psychology to the needs of their clients. When they attend OA meetings, they are simply OA members with no greater authority than any other member of the group, and they are free to focus on their own recovery. At OA functions, they are requested to speak about their personal recovery to avoid implying endorsement of an outside enterprise by OA as a whole. So I, I think it's okay for me to mention I think I will just because it's it's actually kind of a big part of my recovery right now um, in terms of me having to navigate certain things. So I'm hoping it's okay that I mentioned this, but some of you know, but I did, I've started um, an eating disorder training for my work and, you know, I'm kind of at the end of it and it's been, it's been really good for me, but it, it took a lot of work for me to decide to do it and OA was a big part of that. But reading this is, it's just really helpful because it has been a struggle for me to um, figure out my different roles. And one thing that like I have to have a way for is I can just show up exactly as I am. If I'm having a bad day, if I'm having a bad day with food, I have, you know, this is my space to share that. And that is important for everybody's recovery and OA for them to have that and to also not have, <coughs> excuse me, 
also not have someone from the outside having an opinion or I mean everybody has opinions but not having someone who is an expert because in a way we're not experts we are in our we have our experience strength and hope and I need that for my recovery and I will always need that and um, that's why I keep coming back so I'm just I'm and I'm just really grateful for the way um, not just for the traditions but also the thought that's put into um, how to kind of expanding them and how they're looked at and how like even the way this is written it's just it's really lovely and so now I'm just gonna read some of the questions <coughs> I'm sorry you all I'm having um, a lot of allergy and eye stuff with the fires right now um, <clears throat> I'm gonna just take a minute <coughs> Okay. Okay. Do we sometimes try to fix other people in OA meetings by giving them our expert advice, or are we content to share our own experience, strength, and hope? Do we try to speak as experts in OA meetings or when sponsoring on recovery, on health issues in medicine, or on nutrition, on the big book, on the OA fellowship or program, on psychology, on spiritual matters? or even on humility? It's a lot of questions, but, um, but, but these are important. And um, that, that for me helps guide me in my, um, my program and with my sponsoring. I get to show up as a sponsor and as a fellow um, in OA, and that's really important, not just for me, but for the fellowship and for my sponsees as well. Um, when we're having trouble with the program, do we try to hide that? from those who we sponsor or from our OA group because of our pride, shame, or fear? These questions are so good because there have been times where I'm, you know, I've struggled with different things in the program. And um, again, like not being able to speak about them um, can, can trigger kind of that old isolation that a lot of us, I mean, I'll speak for myself, but that, that thing of not being able to speak truth because of fear of how it will disrupt things um, and and not speaking truth as if it's the truth but just like this is what I'm feeling or this is what I'm concerned about um, you know I think these are all principles not just for you know it's a principle for groups it's a principle for relationships and that's part of what we learn in OA um, do we consider other OA members to be experts or authorities because of their experience reputation or personal magnetism <coughs> do we ever treat some of our members as professionals forgetting that they come to OA for their own recovery again it's just these are great reminders because you know I think I know sometimes I look to old-timers as um, kind of experts sometimes you know I have to be I have to be careful that we all have our own recovery and I and everybody gets to everybody deserves to be here in recovery and not not as an expert not as a student um, or you know maybe all of us as students I'm not sure on that part do we make other people responsible for our abstinence or other aspects of our recovery um, that's something that I know that um, I'm guilty of and that's kind of where my other program comes in 
Um, I'm a people pleaser and that shows up um, in a way and it can be dangerous because part of that is um, when I become dishonest, um, when I don't want to tell my sponsor if <clears throat> I'm trying something because I don't think she'll approve. Like those, those are ways that I can quickly go back into my disease. And, um, and honesty is a big part of my recovery and it's, and it's something, you know, it's something I struggle with sometimes. Um, or maybe every day. Can we distinguish, let's see, what OA employees do from what members do in sharing their personal experience, strength, and hope? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think, again, that's what I hear every time I show up in the room is just the power of people really sharing, not from, sharing from their experience and their heart and not from someone else's, um, even, even if that might be powerful, but really sharing what has impacted them, what's impacted us. Um, I'll just read the end of this. <clears throat> when we keep OA's eight tradition, we discover a beautiful spirit of caring service, which becomes a powerful factor in our healing. We are all non-professionals in our support of each other's recovery from compulsive eating, giving and receiving support and fellowship with no expectations of return. Living by the spirit of this tradition, we can each turn to the one next to us and say truthfully from the heart, I put my hand in yours because I care. And yeah, I just love that. Um, how much time do I have? I'm oh, sorry. I, you weren't timing me. It's me. Oh, I have lots. Okay. You have three minutes. Oh, three. Perfect. Okay. Um, I mean, I think that's it. it. I guess one thing I'll just say that I was thinking of as I was reading this tradition and kind of, you know, I know just thinking maybe about the state of the world in certain ways. I know that's outside, but also just the state of being. Um, I do feel like the, the traditions are uh, just this entry into how to be in relationship and groups. And I think that this one's a beautiful example of that. And I don't know, there's, some, there's something hopeful for me about um, seeing even us as a group. Like we've been, you know, not even just this group, but just I've seen things in fellowship where there have been conflicts and because of our traditions, um, we, we continue, we kind of go on and, and, I not, and not go on in a way that for me at least doesn't feel, that feels dysfunctional, but we go on because we kind of uphold our traditions. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm grateful for all of you who are keeping the Zoom stuff um, going and um, Jimmy thanks for asking me to speak I'll also just say um, I haven't it's been a lot harder for me to speak on zoom and I've noticed I've gotten quieter and quieter so <clears throat> and I'm yeah and I was nervous speaking today but I'm I'm grateful again like service is just uh, it just comes in sometimes when I need it and um, and then I also get, and then I get to pick it up and that helps me and it helps my recovery. And, um, I hope people got something from this and I may, and if not, then there'll be someone next week who has something great to share. And, um, yeah, and I may, my son, I'm here with my son on my own for a few days. So I may 
skip in and out because um, I don't want him on more Zoom than he's already on right now. So thank you. It's great to be here.